Thanks for checking out this week's sermon from Bonavista Baptist Church. We invite, encourage, and equip you to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Well, belief in the resurrection of Jesus is kind of a big deal for the followers of Jesus. That might be an understatement of the year. So let me rephrase that a little bit. I want to say this morning that the fundamental criteria for being rescued from the power and penalty of sin is a belief that Jesus has risen from the dead. That's clearly what it says in Romans chapter 10. The verse says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, the resurrection of Jesus has been controversial from the very beginning and still is today. Right at the very beginning as the gospel, as the message of Jesus was being shared by the Apostle Paul, there were people questioning whether it happened and what it meant. Uh, Paul one time went to Athens, and as he's walking around the great city of Athens, he sees all these statues to all kinds of gods. He comes across uh, a, a statue to the unknown God. You can find the story in Acts chapter 17. And he uses that statue to the unknown God as a way of talking to people about Jesus. And I think at first people were tracking well with him. They were interested. A crowd maybe gathered around. But he got to a certain point where everything stopped. And the point where everything stopped is when he mentioned the resurrection. In Acts chapter 17, it says this, When they, the crowd, heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. But others said, We want to hear you again on this subject. Some of the people became followers and believed. And I think that's the same three reactions we face today when we start talking about the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Some are just entirely skeptical. There's no way. I mean, people do not rise from the dead. Other people might say, I'm curious enough to have a further conversation about that. And still there are others, many, many others, who believe in their heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. So let me ask you this morning, where do you find yourself when you hear the message of Jesus being raised from the dead? Do you find yourself skeptical or curious? Or maybe you're a firm believer. I think it's important for us to be honest where we're at. Even if we've been in church for a long, long time, we might still have that skepticism in us, and that's okay. God can work with that, but be honest with it and see where you're at. But I want to talk this morning especially to people who claim to believe in the resurrection of Jesus. Because I think for those of us who believe that Jesus was actually physically raised from the dead, Sometimes we view the resurrection as an event in the past that has a benefit for us in the future. So that after we die, we have a kind of fire insurance. (laughs) We have an opportunity to beat death eternally. But there's a big gap. What implications does the resurrection have for my life right now? That's what I want to talk about this morning. Yes, the resurrection is an event in the past and has benefits in the future, but I believe that the resurrection has implications for our lives right here, right now. A kind of everyday resurrection. That's how Paul applies the resurrection. If you read through his writings in the New Testament, you realize that 
that Paul sees the resurrection as being something that has already happened to us. That's how he starts off this whole passage. He starts off the passage by saying that we are actually raised with Christ now. You died, says Paul, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. In other words, Paul says, whatever happened to Jesus has also happened to those who believe in Jesus. Paul's background and his image throughout this whole passage is really baptism. This idea that in the waters of baptism, we go down into the waters representing dying with Christ. And we are raised from the waters representing that we have been raised with Christ. And for Paul, this is a reality today for those who believe in Jesus. So I think the point that I want to make today is don't wait till we die to enjoy the benefits of the resurrection. Let's explore them right now. Now, my mom, who is going to be listening to this message through the toll-free phone number, hi, mom, uh, she uh, loves to give gifts. She gives all kinds of gifts to us, probably too many. But sometimes when she sends a gift from Kelowna and it comes to Calgary, she's so excited that she tells us to open it sooner. So it might be a Christmas gift or a birthday gift. She doesn't want us to wait to Christmas or birthday. She says, as soon as you get it, call me and open it. I'm excited for you to have it now. And of course, we oblige because we want the gift now too. And so sometimes we'll get her on the speakerphone, we'll gather around the table, and we'll open the gift now, even though it's marked for Christmas. I think sometimes God wants us to open the gifts now. Don't wait for some future event. Don't wait until death comes. Don't wait until we get a terrible news or, or a, a bad diagnosis. Open the gift now. And so today we want to open the gift of resurrection right now. So my challenge to you as you're listening to this message and reflecting on the passage, whether you're home alone or with some family members, look through the passage together and, and just note all the ways that the resurrection of Jesus has implications for our lives right now. I'm going to briefly give us three ways to get us started. First of all, the resurrection of Jesus provides us with a new perspective. Verse 2 says this, Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Because we know that Jesus rose from the dead, and if we are believers in that, then we have risen too, then we're supposed to set our minds on things above, not on earthly things. Now, Paul's not asking us to have our heads in the, in the clouds. Uh, there's an old saying that we can be so heavenly-minded that we're of no earthly use. Paul doesn't want that. I think William Barclay, the uh, um, theologian and commentator, he sums it up really nicely by saying this. From now on, the Christian will view everything against the background of eternity and no longer live as if this world were all that mattered. Don't we sometimes get caught in that? Thinking that what we see and what we taste and what we touch, that this is all that matters? The fact that Jesus beat death, that there's something beyond the grave, informs us that there's something greater than what we're chasing right now. We, we view everything 
against the background of eternity. We even view our suffering and our troubles against the background of eternity. Uh, The Apostle Paul was someone who knew all kinds of suffering. Uh, He knew physical suffering. He suffered because of the gospel. And this is how he applies the principle of getting a new perspective from the resurrection, resurrection to suffering. He says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So the resurrection of Jesus, it opens the doorway to eternity for us. And that changes our perspective on everyday things, including things that trouble us, whether it's sickness or job loss or a pandemic. Paul calls all of these things, amazingly, light and momentary troubles because he now has a view of eternity. That's the perspective we get from the resurrection. I love the way that Eugene Peterson sums this up in the message. He says this. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up. Be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. So the resurrection gives us a new perspective. Second thing, the resurrection also provides us and promotes a new ethic. Verses 9 and 10 talks about taking off the old self and putting on the new self. A new way of behaving, a new way of relating to people in the world, a new ethic. This is where we have to be careful. Because the gospel message is not simply a behavioral modification program. It's not simply meant to make people good by their own efforts. The gospel message is a message of internal transformation. We're meant to be changed from the inside out. There's an old sermon illustration I've sometimes told. Uh, It's about a preacher preaching in the open air in London's Hyde Park. And while he's preaching the gospel message, there's a heckler that comes up. And the heckler shouts out of the preacher. He says, do you see that homeless man over there? Socialism can put a new suit on that man. What can Christianity do? And the preacher, without pausing, says, the gospel can put a new man in the suit. That's the point of the gospel. It's transformation from the inside out. It's not simply behavioral modification. So living the Christian life isn't simply about trying harder to do better. It's not about waking up in the morning and looking in the mirror and saying to yourself, self, you're going to do better today. Uh, today, you're not going to consume food like an animal. Today, you're not, you're not going to say bad things about the other drivers on the road. Today, you're going to listen to your wife. That, that's my, maybe my list. <laughs> uh, you can make your own list. But that's not what the Christian life is all about. It's not about trying harder to do better. 
The Christian life is all about transformation. It's all about putting on what Jesus has already given us. He's already created a wardrobe for us. That's what the image in the passage is. Let's put it on. The Christian life starts the day with a simple prayer. And the prayer is, not my will, but yours be done. And that's how we are transformed. Again, Eugene Peterson summed up the passage by saying this. So dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the Master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. So the resurrection also promotes a new ethic, a new way of living, a new way of living in relation to others around the world that comes from inside transformation. Okay, last thing. The resurrection also promises a new humanity. This is perhaps the most radical thing in the passage and is often overlooked. Paul, in, in, the, uh, in the Gospels or in his writings, he gives a consistent, compelling vision of what the gospel means in creating a new humanity as one in Christ. And it's radical. In the passage that we read together, call, Paul calls the people in Colossae, who were non-Jews, he calls them God's chosen people. Now, normally that's a phrase that's reserved exclusively for God's people of the Old Testament. But Paul now applies it almost recklessly to the people in Colossae. Whoever believes in Jesus is now included as part of God's chosen people. Here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all in all. This is a a compelling new vision of what it means to be a human community worldwide. In Galatians, Paul says something similar. He says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. See, the power of the resurrection destroys the artificial barriers that we've put up against one another. It destroys the barriers that come from birth and nationality. It destroys the barriers which come from ceremony and ritual. It destroys the barriers that come from so-called cultured and uncultured. It destroys racial barriers, social barriers, and gender barriers. It unifies humanity as one in Christ. So now the invitation is to live out that reality in practice, in our everyday lives, in how we treat one another. So here's my point, and the point of the message this morning, is don't wait to unwrap your gift of the resurrection. If you are a believer in Christ today, you've been given a wonderful, incredible gift. You've been raised with Christ. Don't wait to unwrap that gift. Open it now. See the the radical life that God is calling us to by raising his son from the dead. Fully embrace this new perspective. Live out the new ethic. 
and open our lives to the new humanity that is made possible because Jesus is alive. He has risen from the dead. So like Paul, may our desire this day and throughout the year, every day, be to know Christ and also the power of his resurrection.